Welcome back to the Roster Watch Podcast. This is Alex Dunlap. Today, I bring you my conversation with Eric Galco. Eric Galco is a professional football talent evaluator and entrepreneur. He's the owner of Optimum Scouting, an independent scouting service that has provided private evaluations to NFL and college teams, prospective agents, and various interested parties regarding NFL prospect projections over the last decade. He served as director of personnel for numerous postseason college all-star games. He's an NFL insider for Stadium and a contributor to the Sporting News. In 2018, Galco accepted a position as director of personnel for the XFL. He's a great friend of Roster Watch, and our conversation is multifaceted. We discuss his scouting experience and processes, the XFL and its much-anticipated 2020 launch, Kyler Murray's NFL projection, and the role of analytics in the always-changing and ever-competitive world of college football scouting. You can find him on Twitter at Eric Galco, that's G-A-L-K-O, and at Optimum Scouting. If you're enjoying the Roster Watch podcast, please take 10 seconds to scroll down in your podcast player and give us a five-star rating and a review. It makes a big difference. Giving a rating takes literally five seconds. Please mobilize, unite, review the podcast. You can also support the Roster Watch podcast if you really love it, and you can get access to multiple bonus podcasts each week featuring me, Byron Lambert, and the Trash Man with a pro membership at rosterwatch.com. It's entirely due to the support of listeners like you that this is all possible, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now, on to the show with Eric Galco. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. I am Alex Dunlap, and as I said in the opening, I'm here with a great friend of Roster Watch, a guy that we've known since we even first started getting our feet wet in this business. Uh, his name is Eric Galco. He's the head over at Optimum Scouting. He is doing a ton of great work right now, also with the XFL that we're going to get into. Galco. What the hell, brother? Awesome to have you on. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited to be a part of the, the podcast. I know it's uh, you know a really exciting thing that you guys are on the airwaves, on podcasts, on radio all the time, too. So I appreciate the time I get a chance to spend talking football with you, man. Well, the, well, dude, I mean, whenever we first met you, none of us were doing a damn thing, <laughs> right? We were walking around taking notes on, you know, taking notes with like pencil and paper and, you know, writing content for websites and stuff like that. It's, it's been awesome to see everybody kind of grow, you know, I mean. Back then, you, I mean, I'd see you down there with like Alex Brown, and we've seen what, what an awesome job that he's done, kind of you know helping with Tom Herman's staff there in Houston. And then uh, after those guys with Major Applewhite, and then the, everything he's been able to do with getting attention from NFL teams, and you know the Mike Bands of the world, and you know guys guys like you and guys like us. It's um, it really goes to show it's stuff like the Senior Bowl and these off season. Um, 
kind of these off-season evaluation trips and this stuff that we all do to keep grinding and working really hard. It's like the relationships that you develop through that time are the ones that become yeah. important to you as you kind of grow up in this industry. And all of a sudden you look around and people are in like, like big time jobs and, and doing cool stuff. And it's certainly what's happened with, with you, but it's, before we talk about anything with the XFL or any of that stuff, let's just talk about how you got to where you got to, um, Tell us about Optimum Scouting and sort of how that how that entity has has evolved from when you started until now. Yeah, um, so it started a little over a little over a decade ago, and you know, I I, I was like most people, right? I, I grew up watching football, and, and I was uh, you know the, the best scouts are former quarterbacks. I was a high school third string quarterback, so I got a lot of scouting uh, <laughs> when I was younger uh, and evaluating uh, talent, but. That's something I just felt comfortable doing, and and especially when I first started out doing it, and I still have that to this day. Is is I know what I don't know, and I'm constantly trying to be a sponge. And I think what I've done, you know, hopefully well, and is, is having a good process, but not, you know, I'm not a perfect scout, right? There are there are scouts in the NFL that I, I talk to, and and I take their opinion very seriously outside the NFL as well. Um, so I, I don't portray to be the the best ever talent evaluator, but I, I think I've always had a good process in place. And, and that's kind of what I learned early on. I think we had some mentors both in the scouting side, as well as the business side of football um, talked to early on and, and just kind of kept, kept being around people that were smart and, and kept asking that questions and kept challenging myself and our team. And, and over the course of 10 years, I've had a privilege of working with, you know, partnering with and working with people who um, were ambitious in football. You know, a lot of people want to work in the football industry, um, all the time. And, uh, and for people on Optimum scouting staff, you know, I challenge them right away. And, and if you don't want to be a scout, you'll learn pretty quickly, but you know, being a scout or being, you know, uh, a leading fantasy expert or somewhere major in the football industry, is not something you just do because you're a fan. I think people realize that pretty quickly. Um, so I've been thankful to, to have great people around me too. And, and thankfully be able to leverage kind of what we're doing, what our process is, which I would say kind of process, but I'm very focused on being efficient and having a process. And so far, uh, treated myself and Optimum Scouting so far so good, and and we'll see where we grow from here. But but we're excited to go from a, you know, always being a third party scouting company, evaluating for all walks of life in football, and now you know a decade later we're doing stuff for players, colleges, um, sports industry leaders, agents. Um, now working with uh, a new football league, the XFL. We work with pro teams in the past, so we're able to to do a lot of wide ranging things, which is certainly a lot of fun, and, and certainly taps into the resources we have at Optimum Scout. Well, one of my first memories of you, Galco, was uh, was you at the <laughs> at Janoris Jenkins Senior Bowl, and everybody's just asking him, you know, the questions about you know who he's faced is tough in coverage and stuff. You walk up to that guy and straight up ask him if he's still smoking weed. <laughs> I'm just like, who is who is this dude? And I talked to you after that, and you're like, dude, I'm not like I'm not here as a reporter. Like I'm a scout. I need to know whether that dude's still smoking weed. Um, it was just such an interesting int- int- introduction to you and kind of the way that yeah, the but, kind of way that you do you know, things. <laughs> it's, just, it's funny you say that too, though, but that, that's something I've, I've, I appreciate. Remember that story too. I kind of forget that sometimes, but, um, but the character stuff has always been so important to me uh, because I've learned and it's, it's treated me pretty well is that, you know, there's a lot of fans in the industry and, and when people talk to players, it's all very fan focused, but at the end of the day, these guys are just guys. And if you're real and authentic in the industry and, you know, I've talked to Janoris after that. Um, I know people that are close to Janoris Jenkins. And I know people that are, you know, have more worse backgrounds than that too, that as long as you're able to be authentic and, and real with players uh, and not, not act like they're, you know, look at this guy, he's a, you know, future second round pick, but, uh, but the authenticity I try to have with Optimus Scouting has been important too. And, and some of the character stuff are my favorite things to dive into, because as you just know with that story, I don't care at all 
um, what players think after I ask a question. I'm here to do my job, and if they can appreciate that, then they might have an NFL future. If they can't appreciate that, then screw them. I'll do. I'll go somebody else. Well, so like with Optimum Scouting, I, I think a lot of people re- you know recognize that name from Twitter. They recognize you know the logo and sort of seeing your face on that Twitter uh, on that Twitter profile. Of course, I you know I I, I talked about it in the open, but um, they can follow you and what you're doing over there at Optimum Scouting. It's it's a it's a pretty a pretty visible. Um, a Twitter account just in our in, in, in our in our draft space and in our football space but uh, some people might kind of wonder you know what it is like how's it different now than it was then because I remember there was a time whenever you were just an un, unaffiliated like almost kind of like a media-ish entity where, where you had your website you have your scouting reports on there eventually there was some sort of like um, I guess an arrangement with the sporting news where you guys would do a bunch of stuff with those guys. It seemed more like there was a media arm to everything. And then what I've realized over the course of these last couple of combines and, the, you know, just kind of seeing your hustle and, and what you do, of course, you know, not knowing exactly who you work with or who your clients are. But now there's um, there's more of a business to business sort of aspect with kind of giving this intel to possible agents to let them know who they should be targeting as far as clients or like with the team. Like, so how has it changed from when I first met you to, to, to now, how has your like revenue structure changed? What's the biggest pieces of the pie? Is there still anything on the media side that's even as relatively important to you as it, as it used to be with all the responsibilities that you now have with some of these clients? Yeah, you know, I, I'll, I'll say that the media stuff is, is kind of what the easiest access point. I guess that's the reason why we always did it. You know, starting the company over a decade ago, we always worked in the business to business, you put it, um, aspect of football. That was always something I cared about because I came from the idea that I don't want to just be, you know, I don't want to do things for retweets. Or I guess when I was starting out, Twitter wasn't as big for just article clicks. Um, I wanted to kind of really, you know, have say and, and do things that I felt were meaningful. And not that, you know, articles aren't meaningful, but in my opinion, they weren't, right? I want to make, I want to help people in the industry make decisions or help teams or help players, whatever it may be. So we always had that arm. And, and I think, if, you know, five, six years ago, um, OptimScouting.com did really, really well. And I worked my butt off and our staff did an unbelievable job. And, you know, we saw at that point, hey, the upside on the media side of stuff is not that great. And we get a lot more value by, you know, taking our stuff away and, and certainly giving fans of Optimum Scouting, um, you know, .com that still go there. And I appreciate those people, you know, some aspects of what we're doing. But, you know, we know that our process and our evaluations, you know, despite what may be out there on social media, I know and I'm confident that our evaluations are among the best, if not the best, kind of third-party evaluations that any person in the industry, NFL team or otherwise, can get. Um, so we decided, hey, it's, it's much better almost like what Pro Football Focus did with a lot of their PFF college stuff, take it away from the media to kind of have it be more focused on the decision makers in the process. So that's what we kind of pivoted away. So I still love doing media. Believe me, it kills me sometimes to check Twitter. And, you know, for example, you know, we consult with schools and a lot of juniors every year to help make their decision process. Um, you know, this year, probably in at least over 100, probably close to 200 this year that we advise for. And some guys stay and some guys go, whatever it may be. But, you know, I want to comment. I want to tweet about these guys or write articles about these players that I just can't because of that confidentiality. Or sometimes, you know, I don't want to say something because we work with that team. So I can't comment about why X team made a bad, bad call or a bad uh, front office move. So because of the fact we do a lot of B2B, 
as you mentioned, I, I can't be asked commenting. It kills me sometimes not to. And, and I'm still able to do media. I work with Stadium, uh, the digital uh, sports network um, that's available you know, via streaming. Um, I'm their NFL insider. I do a lot of NFL inside stuff there as well. But, but not doing media sometimes hurts. But at the end of the day, we're able to do a lot. You know, because we left media, we're able to work with pro teams, colleges, and now you know, most recently York football and especially the XFL. Uh, working with them is, is some of that thing is much more meaningful to me than a mock draft or a big board or a who's hot and who's not or whatever it may be. And I, I would hope people would agree. And I think hopefully our reputation off the internet is the reason why we have those opportunities. Well, it doesn't matter what if people agree or what your reputation is. The fact of the matter is those are the things that are, that pay the bills, right? We got, I mean, we're in this to we're in this to 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 make a living. Right. I mean, and it's just you can make all the money yeah, yeah. in the world and stuff. It's like it's not going to it's not going to move the needle financially like it is having these, you know, having these important clients. Well, y- y- yes. And, yes. And no. Um, you know, mock drafts, especially at, you know, the Bleacher Report and the Sporting News where I've worked at before, they can pay the bills. Um, really? I've, I've never been focused. I've, I've, <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Know, People yeah. love their mock draft. But and, and believe me, I, I've been asked and I probably will do a mock draft at some point because it's, you know, it's pretty easy and people love it. But. You know, I, I'm not monetary driven, um, thankfully, at this point in my life. And, and I, I want the opportunity. So we've always, you know, we've done often scouting, you know, work pro bono to get in the door and work for schools and players that were just kind of an entry point that, you know, it's not to me about the, the monetary value. This is the sports world and the football world that, as you know, is extremely small, right? There's, there's not an unlimited opportunity oh, out there to work, right? There's, you know, there's 32 NFL teams. And then there's the Alliance and then there's the XFL and that's it. So if you want to do, if you want to work for a pro football team, you've got 34 options. Um, so the opportunity to, and that's just one example, right? Media is the same way too, right? It's really hard to do kind of your own thing. You guys have done a tremendous and I'm, I'm jealous in that way too, of the media aspect you've built. Cause it's so hard to build a media from the ground up. And I'm, I'm in awe of how you guys have done that, but that's so hard as well. And, and having a small business aspect to it. So, you know, I, I, the money is not what my concern is. It's about making a difference and making an impact and, and having people on our team who know that working for Optum Scouting is not write a couple articles and let's see how it does. It's get better as a scout, work in pro football. And, and thankfully, whether or not our brand is strong on social media, I'm very thankful that, you know, talking about the AFCA, um, the football convention or in the industry that, you know, people know Optum Scouting and, and respect us. And that means so much after what we've done. And, you know, money aside, an NFL scout currently or formerly saying, hey, you guys do great stuff and look forward to your reports every year. That means a heck of a lot more to me than what I made up, make out one mock draft. And hopefully that made dividends in the future for myself and really all of our team at Austin Scouting. Well, I mean, that, that's the, that, <laughs> I appreciate the way that you, you answer that, Galco. But I mean, to me, it's just like from, from, an, from an outside perspective and just kind of like we you know, certainly have admired what, what, what you've done as well. I can't help but feel like, that as I've watched you come up in this business, that you feel like what you're, you know, whether it's for the money, you know, whether you say it's for the money, what, like, I, I feel, tell me if I'm wrong, I feel like you feel like what you're doing right now is the most important of what you've done in your career. The types of people that you're working with, the relationships that you're developing right now, you seem much more focused and into it than you were when I first met you. When it, I didn't, I didn't see that as being such a huge part of what you were doing. Man, I see you at the Senior Bowl and you don't, have, or at the at, at the Combine, and you don't even have time to have a beer. Like your your calendar, you show me that calendar. It's like booked up literally from seven thirty in the morning until you know nine thirty at night, and I just I can't see anybody. You 
you know, anybody that puts in that much work for something that they don't just, that they don't just really, really, really believe in. I do. I, I love, and I love what I do and I'm always thankful. And, and especially you know, as things grow, I, I try to keep our staff involved and say, Hey, you know, this is hard work. And, and, you know, I work, you know, not everyone works hard. I understand that, but you know, I'll work 50, 60 hour weeks and I'll love it. And sometimes I'll hate it, but and I, our staff works hard as well too. But, you know, we know that's why I would get back to that point, making a difference, right? If I was up every day and the 50 hours I was writing scouting reports and over underrated in mock drafts, I don't think I'd like this job. And, and the chance to work with people, you know, football is such a unique industry. At the same time, it's not that unique. Just like any other major industry, it's networking, it's building friendships, it's offering value, it's, you know, having that value proposition. So I'm always looking to work with new people. And, and I'm thankful that now and often scouting, and, and I appreciate you know, me hustle the combine. I think two years ago, I made the huge mistake of wearing a suit for two days. So I was literally <laughs> sprinting around the combine in dress shoes and a suit. Horrible mistake. I'm going polos at most this year. Yeah. Um, but, but now it's, you know, my, my time has changed from, from being aggressive and networking to actually having meetings. But again, I, I, not just lip service here. It, it comes down to doing real work, in my opinion, doing, you know, offering value, having an impact, you know, talking with people who are going to make a, a business decision, whether it's a, a sports professional like an agent or a team, and asking our feedback. That's something that our, myself and our staff will, will value a lot, too. And, you know, myself and our staff are, are still very fairly young in the industry um, compared to what people in the NFL are doing. And, and we know we've got a great process. We know we have great connections. We know often scouting brand hopefully means something. So, you know, the running around is, is great. I love that part of the job. You know, there's some days where, you know, I, I wish I could just watch more film. There's some days where I just want to be on the phone all day. Like today was one of those days. I've been on the phone literally all day, and, and I love it because we're working in football. So, you know, working in the football world, as you know, Alex, is it's a lot of work, and you're probably underpaid for how much you're working, but you wouldn't trade it at all because you get a chance to talk football all day, which is you know, something I try not to forget and our staff tries to forget too because there are 60, 70, 80-hour work weeks, and I'm a ruthless boss sometimes where I say, this has got to get done. I don't care what it takes, but everyone knows the, the – you know, the end of the line is something that's worthwhile. We're doing something meaningful in the industry. Well, all right. So what about what, – and I, I, I totally agree. What a blessing it is to work in football and have this be my job. I, I, sometimes I just still pinch myself that, you know, I've been doing this and I've been doing it for a long time. And it's just like, how did it happen? But um, right. the, the, uh, the, the, the stuff about uh, – like you, you, you keep talking about your staff and you, you wish you had more time for film. Mm-hmm. What, what, is, what does that look like now? I, I guess I've never even asked you – how many like how many scouts do you have? And are they like are they is, yeah. is 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 there one that's like your head guy that's a full time guy? Are they all sort of part time? Are they hourly? Like how, without getting too much into detail, like what is it with your like how many of these scouts do you have? And what sort of organization is it? Do they all just kind of report into you via their conference or like what? How does it work? Yeah, yes, we got we got our team across the country, and and uh, you know our team has we have a director of analytics. Um, we does a lot more than that, but that's his official title. And that's Justice Moskada. He's brilliant. Oh, right, yeah, um, right. He, he, he does dot-com stuff, but he does a lot more stuff behind the scenes that, uh, you know, is really, really impressive. And, and we've solved a lot of things that I think NFL teams are excited about what we have analytic-wise based off the work he's done. So I'll leave it at that. Um, we've got uh, two other advisors. Unfortunately, they're kind of silent advisors because of other commitments, uh, but they are. We have a, a head of pro scouting and a head of college scouting, both of which are silent advisors that – um, hopefully we'll make an announcement of who they are, but for right now they have to remain silent for their other other endeavor opportunities. Uh, then we've got four area scouts and two scouting assistants. Um, and our area scouts, we divide it by conference um, just because of the fact that our our area scouts are not on the road the way NFL scouts are. 
not financially worth it on our end. Um, we get that information elsewhere, and we lean on scouts who are air scouts to get the measurables and character stuff and all that stuff immediately, and we, we, we follow it up later. And then we have two scouting assistants who get a chance to develop in our system, do hopefully some cool work, work on a lot of projects. We fill them out. They fill us out. We're structured a lot like an NFL scouting department. That's kind of where the, the genesis comes from. I, I, we have some tweaks because we have to be more efficient. We don't have a you know $5 billion operation behind us right. to go to whole scouting service, so right. I've got to build that being efficient. But um, but I, you know, my, my style is I am very much a delegator. Hey, here is your job. Do it. If you screw up twice, you're probably out of here. And, and you know, I, I'm able to benefit that there's such demand that people work in real football jobs. At the same time, I'm very trusting in that we've developed NFL scouts. You know, we've developed, you know, you know, Alex Brown was part of our team. He didn't really need a lot of development, but he did a lot of great, meaningful work that hopefully I think benefited him. And, you know, we've had two other people leave for NFL jobs. Um, as scouts, right? We've had guys leave from, you know, leave for college jobs like Alex, and we've had guys leave for major media jobs. And, you know, what I hope is that we have guys being able to prepare. So, to answer your question, we've got three head advisors. One of those is Justice Mosqueda. Uh, we've got uh, five area scouts and two scouting assistants. We'll likely be adding maybe one more person uh, pretty soon here in another advisory role, uh, just because we have a lot of need for advisors, right? Working with players and colleges and, and the XFL. We, I want to make sure we have a lot of great minds as we can, but. But that's how we're structured. And me personally, you know, I try to start, and most days I'm good at it, wake up, have a game of film, um, or maybe a few players or some, you know, hour and a half block of film that I can watch every day. And that's just to kind of keep me grounded and saying, hey, you can't, you can't leave film study. So if that means I have to get up at 6 a.m. and watch two hours of film with coffee, I'll do it. Sometimes I'll make it at 9 a.m., whatever my calls may be. But, um, but I still try to watch film every day. And this time of year, I'm trying best I can, but... You know, we're able to, we, we have so many now, thankfully, opportunities in the industry to make a difference, colleges, players, the XFL, that, you know, my time is stretched thin, but we've got a great staff, and I lean on them a lot because I know these guys are going to be future NFL scouts, and we've got three guys on our staff that, no doubt in my mind, as long as there's no other nepotism in the NFL, they're going to have a great chance to be NFL scouts as soon as next year in the future. <laughs> You're asking for no nepotism? Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's asking a lot. But ta- talent-wise, talent-wise, I think we've got at least two, maybe three guys who I would have no problem at all staking my reputation. Those would be great area scouts, which is, which is rare. It's rare to have you know, those guys not go through the NFL system. And I think now Optum's getting to the point where it always meant something on a resume, but now I hope and I believe that hopefully Optum scouting can be you work there, that's equivalent to working in a college office or whatever else. And I think that's hopefully enough and we'll see what happens. But, um, but I'm, I'm always focused about, you know, developing scouts. I, these, you know, we don't pay guys full-time with benefits. All of our scouts only have a couple full-time people on staff. So they know they're here for, you know, 18 months. I say, if you're without them scouting more than 18 months, then you're not going to have to be a scout. Um, we want turnover because we want to build these guys to the next level. Oh, that's yeah. Well, that, and, and that's a that's a that's a really cool way of putting it because it's like you're you're, you're going to prove your metal quickly, or you're going to prove that you're, this just isn't for you quickly <laughs> because that that's just the way that that's just the right. way that scouting and, and, and evaluation and, and, is. Ambition so so much a part of it. Um, you know, I I think of myself as a fairly ambitious person, and and you've got to be ambitious to work in the sports and football industry. You can't be let me be really good at this and then hope something comes. You've got to be proactive and active and developing and meeting people. And, and that's kind of people I want. I want people who are ambitious and know that the work's going to pay off, but you have to go above and beyond. I can't hold your hand to an NFL job. You've got to do this, get better and be ambitious. And yeah, I think we've, I hopefully got a good group now where there are really ambitious people and go-getters and along with developing as scouts, they're able to do stuff. Cause I think like, 
again, like you guys have been as well, you can't just say, I'm going to do this website and have a fantasy website. Now, you guys have gone far beyond that on radio and podcasts, and I think that's kind of a model that most people don't have that ambitious part of the sports industry. They like football, they want to scout, and that's the end of their ambition, and I want people that are much more than that. Let me ask you just about um, kind of transitioning a small bit from Optimum Scouting and just um, kind of your – sort of day-to-day right now i know that you had you were on a call yeah. earlier doing your like with the um like can we talk a little bit about the xfl and about the alternative leagues yeah, and yeah. like all right so, Absolutely. so like, what what do you th- what do you think um what's the main difference to you between the alliance of american football and the xfl xfl is better no um yeah <laughs> well, uh, you know i i think uh there are some things that I would love to share and I can't share to anybody that will be announced in the next, you know, by the end of January, early February, that I think will really build a lot of excitement about, uh, about the XFL um, from a player um, salary standpoint to a player signing process standpoint to a television, um, to a coach. Um, I think we're able to do, you know, because we have great capital behind us from, from Vince McMahon and it's all there. And we're also, you know, we don't have a bunch of investors, right? We've got one centralized model that really helps in a lot of ways. And, you know, I, I have great appreciation for, you know, the two people, you know, above me at the organization, one being Oliver Luck, um, you know, yeah. the commissioner of the XFL. He's, he is as respected in the industry and, and, you know, you, you meet with him and, and people meet with him and you see why. Um, I think people want to work and, and be a, a part of whatever he's building at the XFL. And he's got a tremendous vision. Um, and then Doug Whaley, uh, former Buffalo Bills general manager, it's been a pleasure working with him too. And, and the way he's able to both use his experience but also be open-minded is, uh, is a skill set that's really, really impressive at the league level. And I think you know, the best part about the XFL right now, whether it's our rules or whether it's our pay structure, we are very – uh, we have, there's a, many, many bright people, non-football-wise, that I'm taking notes on about what they're talking about, operations, to HR, to what PR, whatever it may be, that we're able to be open-minded and think creatively. And, you know, I think, you know, the Alliance, you know, I don't want to, you know, badmouth them, but, no, you know, sure. they had eight months to kind of build this league, and that's really hard. You know, it's really hard to build a football league in, you know, uh, 20 months, like the XFL's trying to do. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that we're doing day-to-day that, you know, there's a lot to do, and it's really hard to do that in eight months. I actually can't even imagine it. And I know, uh, you know, behind the scenes, I know they, you know, it's, it's going to be hard no matter when you kick off. But you know, I, I do. You know, we'll see how that plays out. But I think what the XFL offers, you know, what in my opinion, I don't think by next year it'll be, you know, competing too much. I, I think we're on a different plateau of of what we're able to offer fans, players, coaches. Um, you know, media, et cetera. And I'm, I'm really, really excited to be a part of it because there's good people, open-minded, this enough capital and, you know, the resources we have in, at our disposal are fantastic. Well, the, and that's, and, and that's interesting because I, I think that the, what the, what the AAF has talked about and I, and I, uh, Galco, you know, that, you know, anything you can't say, don't say it clearly, but I, I think what the AAF has talked about, and it seems like what the real feather in their cap has been, is that Charlie Ebersol is um, just so connected? I believe with CBS Sports and stuff, and they, like all they really talk about is one of their one of their real, um, I guess one of the real guiding kind of sort of you know taglines that they have is that this is going to be a good TV product that's going to be consumable for 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 people. They're going to be able to turn on their television. It's not going to be something where I have to get on. Um, 
get on Yahoo Sports and stream it online or something like that. Like people are going to be able to turn this on their televisions and, and watch. Do you foresee the XFL having conversations like that with different TV providers to where you think that it will be as accessible as the AAF is saying that they're planning to be? Well, I, I know the I know the CBS, the AF, and, and I believe this is what the case is. Um, their first game will be on CBS Network Television, um, and then their Super Bowl will be on CBS Network Television, and then I believe uh, I think it's one game a week on CBS oh, Sports. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, that's what it may be. But you know, aside from that, um, you know, I, I can't comment too much further. I'm hoping there'll be an announcement in the future, but um, I, I think it will be conservative to say that our our TV opportunity and access to fans will be greater. Um, that's a very, very conservative way I'll put it. Um, but I think so. And, and let me say this, the Alliance as well from the TV or whatever it may be. Um, I, we want them at least for this first year to be successful. And I think fans and players, um, and agents and coaches, you know, there's a quiet need for a spring league. And I, I believe the XFL is more than happy to compete, but as long as things are going well for players, as long as players are getting paid on TV, getting NFL opportunities. And as long as fans are able to get more football in late February, early March, I think it's a win. And, you know, I, I, at the XFL, I, from what I know, and, and when I've been there, you know, I'm there pretty often, I, we're not worried about, you know, competing. Um, we're ready to join the market. We think we've got a great differentiator on many, many occasions. And, and I really do root for the Alliance. Now, if the Alliance wasn't there in 2020, I think it'd make our lives a little bit right, easier, right. but, um, but I think we're, you know, we've got a very different and a strong value proposition. That's not, not unlike what the Alliance is trying to offer. I think we can just do a better job of it. And, uh, you know, for example, you know, we are not competing with the NFL. We also look to be complementary with the NFL that the Alliance has mentioned. We'll also be on, you know, have great television opportunities. We'll, we'll also be paying guys a fair wage. We'll also have, you know, high end former NFL coaches and, and college coaches and developers of, we're going to have all those kind of basics that you need to have a great football league. And I, I just think we have a little bit more, um, a little bit, maybe again, conservative, a lot more to offer uh, players. And, and that'll all come to light here in a little bit. Well, and, and everybody will be able to uh, keep up with it via the, um, you know, the XFL's Twitter feed, certainly through, through your Twitter feed, uh, et cetera. I'm sure that you'll be getting all that, <laughs> getting all that news out too. It's yeah. fun, like, it's fun, but like just logistically, um, yeah. we saw the, we, we, we saw the AAF just have a, just have like a draft a quarterback draft. It was kind of weird. Um, you know, I, a little yeah. bit, a little bit gimmicky. I, I think with the way mm-hmm. that you kind of, kind of, you could pick a kid that was from your hometown, something like that. And then after that, you could pick players from the regular pool or something. I, I didn't quite figure, figure out exactly how they did it. Um, have you guys had talks at all about like on the XFL side about how, I mean, since you're going to be doing player personnel stuff, like, can you just give a, a you know, from, yeah. what, from what you can't say, just like what yeah. that's going to entail, and then is there going to be like a draft process? Or are you going to be competing for these players? Like, how is it going to yeah. how, how's it going to work? Yes, the uh, the draft process is a yes. What exactly the dynamics of the draft will be? Well, um, you know, we're not entirely you know I don't want to commit on that yet, right. um, but there will be a draft, and and I guess a better way to put it, there won't be a you know, straight allocation system. That's not something that, that you know, Oliver Luck um, would work in the NFL Europe and they had an allocation system and, and he's spoken at length about how you know, that there led to some problems. You know, you try to be competitively balanced or you try to allocate players in a fair way. But if it's, 
if it's subjective, you're going to be making a mistake, right? You're going to make one team too good or, or fans are going to want to put guys on one team that has an unfair advantage or, you know, a coach may say, well, I know these guys, that's going to give them too many good linemen. So we don't want to have an allocation system. It's going to be a draft process. We'll, you know, to be frank, we don't have a committed draft process yet. We still are nine months away. There's no need to rush that, but we want to make sure it's as objective as possible. And to have, you know, our coaches, our head coach will be our GM. They'll have a scouting team as well to evaluate these players, have plenty of time to do so and, and then go through a draft like process. But, you know, that's what we want to do. And, and again, the gimmicky, the word we, we don't want to be and, and everything we're doing, I mentioned before, but it, it, it really happens across the spectrum. We're able to be really open-minded and critically think about all of these dynamics because we have time and because we have great people involved. So there is no, I'm, I'm there all the time. There is no, we're doing this stamp done, right? It's, it's, here's what our plan is. Who else is a better idea? All right, this is our idea. But if we learn something down the road that makes more sense, we can change that. I think you know the draft is something we want to do to be objective, but uh, but we're able to be flexible across the board. And and I'm really excited about a draft process because I think there'll be a lot of dynamics at play, whether it's the players' location to the team, to the coaches' opinion, to you know how these teams value quarterbacks versus receivers versus linemen. Um, I think it'll be fascinating to watch an actual draft play out for you know, a roster of 46 plus players. And I, this is, this is just what, what, what I'm most interested in because, um, there was a, uh, there was a podcast that with Brian Berger from the sports business radio road show with, uh, Oliver Luck, who, you know, I, I guess it is, 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 is his role commissioner, is that the role of, yes. of all of oh, all right? Yes. So, yeah. So, uh, what he said in this one, and I'm and I'm taking this from Pro Football Talk. They they were asking him about, and this this has all come up because of, because of Trevor Lawrence, and I'm sure I'm sure you've heard all the talk on Twitter about why can't he at least go? You know, why can't why can't a guy in his position who would probably I mean he might go? What do you think? Would do, do you think Trevor Lawrence if he was going to the NFL draft right now he would certainly be a first round pick right? And some people might argue he might go first overall. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think basing off of that game is, is a little bit misguided only. I, I don't think he played as dominant as people seem to think he did. And, and I think his season showed a lot of areas that he can improve. Now, you know, <laughs> would he go first overall in this draft class? Maybe he would because teams don't want to pass the talent, but right. I, I think going first overall or going top 10 and being successful in the NFL can sometimes be very different things. So, you know, if I was a GM, would I, unless I had a perfect situation, like unless the Patriots pick first overall and they could develop him for two years, that's a different situation. If I was a GM who needed a, a quarterback this year, like maybe the Dolphins, if they cut Ryan Tannehill, would I want Trevor Lawrence? Probably not, to be honest. So I think he's got a long way to go, and, and we'll see in, in the future how he develops. But, um, but yeah, I, I think that you know, it's always, there's always the next Peyton Manning, right? It happens right. like every two, three years. So like, I'm, let's, you're better off being cautiously pessimistic on a standout freshman than being overexcited and crowning him the first overall pick. That's my opinion. I, and and I, I've kind of took it off track there by just bringing up Trevor Lawrence because what I really wanted I to get, get, get at was about Oliver Luck. He's saying that as far as – he's basically saying that the XFL is in position to be able to take players who wouldn't be eligible to play in the NFL because he says, I wouldn't rule it out, nor would I rule out taking a player who played a year of college football and let's say isn't eligible academically, which happens, or a player who's two years out of college and is transferring and would have to sit out a year. A lot of guys don't want to sit out a year. 
Um, he said that's an option we're going to have and we're going to look at it long and hard. There are a lot of very good college football players that after a year or two may not want to play that third year of college football. They may need a little money, support the family, and not uncommon, and, and that's not uncommon as well, end quote. So uh, he's, he's basically said, like, the, the alliance has already taken their stance. And what it seems like to me is with the alliance, they're doing everything that they can to just try and – fall completely in line with the National Football League and how the National Football League does things. That's at least the way that it seems to me. Whereas in this situation, um, with the, you know, as far as this particular rule, possibly the XFL could take players a little bit earlier. Is that going to make, for one, do you have any thoughts on that? And for two, is that going to make your job any harder having to watch these players that are just freshmen and sophomores that could possibly be in maybe a little bit of academic trouble at their school but have a ton of talent? I mean, that's to me seems like an opportunity to really get some stars in the making playing for the XFL. If you get these guys that are maybe kind of having a little bit of trouble at school or maybe flaming out due to some kind of academic thing or they're having to transfer and they're, you know, they're, they're really needing to make some money for some family back home. And like the XFL would be a, you know, playing professional football with a league that's on the up and up could be something very interesting for them. Maybe if their eventual goal was to play in the NFL anyway, but right now they could jump to something else. What, just how do you feel about that whole situation and, and kind of just what I just laid out? Yeah, I, I think first off, you know, this is not going to be – I don't think there's any intention to just flip the whole market, right? The XFL is not going to go out and sign 400 high school players. <laughs> That's what we want to do. Um, but I think what's, what's most important is that um, – and I'll kind of hit on what I said a little bit earlier, but, you know, we're going to be very open-minded. We've, we've, we've thought about this a lot, right? We've thought about case-by-case basis even and saying, hey – you know, maybe a guy that four years ago was in a situation that maybe he makes sense for, you know, both parties or all parties involved makes sense to consider for the XFL. And we've talked about those things. So I, I think it gets back to the point that we are able, right, to be flexible because we're not bound by what the NFL was bound by with college players um, or the NCAA. We're not bound by that. So we're able to be flexible. And I think we're very open minded. Um, we are not, you know, looking to, like I said, upset the whole market, um, but we are looking to be look for the best talent we can get. That's a fit. And, and I think personally, you know, we're not trying to, again, we're not trying to upset any balance here, but we think the XFL could be a, a, a unique opportunity for players of all ages, right? We could consider guys who are in their upper thirties. If they, you know, are still in the play, we consider guys that are, you know, in their lower twenties and, and, and they give them opportunity. They can't get elsewhere too. So, you know, I think we, we've got a lot of experiences, right? Oliver's been at the NFL Europe. He's been at the college level. He's been at the pro level. He knows kind of what these, every athlete may need. And I think, again, I'm not trying to dodge the question because we're, we're, we sincerely are in every aspect being very open-minded. We are not saying here's our choice. Here's what we're doing. Now, you know, it's very much, Hey, here's what we can do. Here's how we would handle it. If we did those situations. And as they come up on a case by case basis, we'll handle this. You know, keep in mind for even high school seniors, college freshmen, college sophomores, in my opinion, evaluation, there are not nearly as many players who are ready for a pro level, not only talent wise, but maturity wise. Anyways, right. We're not talking about hundreds of uh, tens of thousands of players. We're talking for a small case by case situation. I think we're at the league office excited to evaluate those case by case situations, right? We're not going right. to be That's a good way to counting on guys right. and, and right. going to Alabama and saying, who's your best backup. Let's take him. We're able to kind of sit back. We know what we can offer. We're prepared. 
but we're also being very open-minded and creative too. So, you know, I won't comment on Trevor in particular or any of the players like that in particular, but I will say it's not dodging the question. It truly is. We're, we're very open-minded. We're ready. We're flexible. We're prepared. And, and we're excited to see kind of where our player personnel comes from. You know, it's my job to be as open-minded as possible. So, you know, constantly our database of considered players is, is growing, growing, growing. And we're okay with that because we're prepared. Thankfully out from scouting. Um, but we're, we're excited to have, you know, a lot of players, a lot of great talent potentially at our fingertips. Now, I, I, I have a feeling it's going to come into play a little bit more than anybody in, in, envisioned. And I have a feeling that whenever these situations do come up on a case-by-case basis, you guys are going to find out really quick that a lot of these case-by-case basis are going to be maybe be players that are going to raise an eyebrow and say, well, that's an interesting case. So I'm going to, I'm going to be interested to see how it works out because you guys will be the only ones who are, who are even open to considering these on a case-by-case basis, which I, I feel like can put you in a, in a very, very interesting catbird seat all right so only on, only one more thing about the alternative leagues the xfl then i wanted to ask you one uh, a few other just quick questions about the 2019 nfl draft and then get then get you out of here man i know you're busy as hell and you've been on the phones all day but did you like have you met vince mcmahon did like did he call you and talk to you like <laughs> did, he, did he did he call you up and give you some sort of wrestling speech about joining the team or how, yeah i'm i'm, I'm shocked shocked you shocked you to leave with that that's always the question that happens no i have not i've not the privilege of of meeting vince yet but um, but I have, you know, I have, they have a tremendous team, you know, the, the WWE and the XFL are separate. Vince is kind of, you know, the only in between there too. But, you know, I will say that I, I've been very thankful to meet a lot of great people, a part of the WWE and XFL. And, you know, it's when you see the people that are behind the scenes, the business the talent people, it's, it's remarkably impressive, you know, best in the industry and media, you know, athletic events, whatever it may be. And it's impressive either, but no, I have not, I've not, uh, you know, met Vince myself yet. All right. So, uh, uh, enough of all that <laughs> stuff. Let me, let me ask you just a few questions about the 2019 NFL draft. What do you think yeah. about all the talk about Kyler Murray? Um, do you think yeah. it's just going to be more and more that he just shrinks with every new report and eventually we're going to get team <laughs> sources saying he's too small, his hands are too small, and by the end people are, uh, you know. I mean, what what is it going to be with him if he does end up going? Um, is, is, he, is he for sure going to be like a kind of a – first round pick i mean is is he is he is he going to be a guy who they're going to have to get the measurements on and sort of see more like how do you how, how do you see him and how do you see people kind of you know from anything that you've heard kind of behind the scenes people's reactions to him as a possible pro prospect at football as opposed to baseball yes he will be a first round pick um you can you can write that one down and uh and i think he goes somewhere in the top 10 and you know a couple of things. One, this is not me guessing, um, as you know, I, I'm not saying I know for sure, right. but I, I'm, I, I'm not coming at this from a purely, you know, edu- you know, guessing standpoint, but you know, I, I think when people have asked around the industry, you know, they saw a couple of quotes and I'm sure some of those people that have had quotes have overlapped with people I know in the industry too, is, is NFL teams know, right. NFL teams know, and I, and, and I know, you know, Kyler Murray's hand side is not a secret, right. It may grow a little bit if you want to use them hand exercises, but like we, He'll be okay on that front. And I think you know, don't underappreciate the fact that NFL teams are fairly prepared, especially when it comes to quarterbacks. I mean, this is a possible first-round quarterback. NFL teams have been preparing for a long time. I first heard in early October um, that he is, was likely going to strongly consider football, and, and he and his family had made kind of preparations in the event that football was the choice. And you know, I think it was relatively recent that he made that definitive football over baseball. But – this is something the NFL teams have spent time on. This 
that wasn't, you know, how it played out on social media is never how it plays out in the NFL. Never. So assume, I, I know people, it's, it's trendy sometimes to, to say NFL teams are stupid or, or scouts are stupid, which always drives me nuts. But um, assume teams aren't stupid and, and teams know what they're talking about. And, and Kyler Murray is a heck of a talent. Um, he, he's our number one quarterback in the draft class. And then right now i got to review, you know, Haskins and Drew Locke and, and those two guys. But right. um, he's a really impressive talent, a really impressive tech. Spoke to him just briefly once before. People I know that spoke to him, you know, speak so, so highly of him. And, you know, quarterback in the NFL nowadays, Size means less because of the offensive innovations and the wider split of offensive linemen. Um, and mental makeup and maturity and confidence means so, so much because you, know, you can be a mediocre quarterback and in a good offense, you can complete 50% of your passes. A good NFL quarterback is not about completion percentage. It's about managing an offense, taking your shots, being efficient. That's why we love Patrick Mahomes, and that's why I think Colin Murray is going to be not a similar talent, different but a similar impact you could have in the NFL. Do you, do you, do you, do you think that his hands will be at least nine, nine and nine and an eighth inches? Yeah. Nine and an eighth, there. nine and be around there. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that'll be, be yeah, fine. It'll be, it'll be around there. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. What about, yeah. what about the new senior bowl director, Jim, Jim, Jim Nagy? What do you think about the roster that he's, that he's put together this year for, for mobile? Do you, uh, do you, do you think that he's yeah. taken over well and done a good job there taking over for old Phil Savage? Yeah, you know, I, I know I've, I've spoken with Jim a few times. We have some mutual friends in the industry, but I don't know him personally. But I, I spoke with him a few times when he got the, when he got the job. We spoke via phone, and you know, I think he it's really impressive. You know, I've had the privilege of of running all star games myself um, in the past, and it's a really it's very different than being a scout or a GM in the NFL. It's a very different process, and you know, other people in the past have struggled with it. Um, you know, I, I don't think it's out of line to say I think Phil would admit that he. He had a lot of issues his first year there because it's just a very, very different process. And I think the way Jim's handled that has been fantastic. Um, he's focused so much on transparency. He's focused so much on leaning on NFL teams. Something I think is really, really important, right? The Senior Bowl is not a draft. It is who are the 100 players that NFL teams want to see, not who Jim Nagy wants to see. So I think Jim's done a great job of, of getting the guys that he, he would stand at the table for if he was still a Seattle Seahawks scout, which is great but also taking the opinions of all these other teams. And I think the rosters turned out outstanding. Um, you know, there are a few guys on there I disagree with as, as there should be um, like every NFL team would have as well. But I, in the way he's handled this process has been fantastic. And I can't wait to get down there and, and see how the event has changed because I think Jim did a great job of changing things, but not making things too different that people want to appreciate it. But from a talent perspective, I think a lot of positions besides maybe quarterback, he's the best year with a quarterback class. I think it's a really, really good class, and he got all the guys. I, I forgot that you used to you, that you used to coordinate personnel for some of these um, some some of these all star games. What like and you said that there was parts of it that's just so much different for being a GM and for being a scout. What, yeah. Like what is is it just the like the kind of the recruiting and the dealing with the kids and the age like and the agents and stuff. Recruiting, yeah, re- recruiting's part of it because um, it's a recruiting job. Um, you know, a lot of ways it's. It's not only come here. You know, NFL teams, when they want to sign guys, they offer a contract and the guy says yes, right? It's not that right. hard to recruit a guy because you hold all the power. At the Senior Bowl, you know, you've got you to woo guys to come. And I think certainly Jim has benefited from Phil doing a great job of you know, just a year ago getting Baker Mayfield and Josh Allen to come, you know, shows a guy like Drew Locke, hey, I should go here because the first overall pick last year went. So who the heck am I to not come? So I think that he's benefiting some, and some from Phil's tremendous job. Uh, at the senior bowl, but you know, also it's roster management, right? When do you, when do you have to say, Hey, this guy's hurt and he doesn't know if he's ready quite yet. 
So do I fill his spot or do I hold it? And maybe it's another guy. Um, you know, how late do I hold things? And the senior bowl is a little bit easier because you have a little bit more leverage, but it's still a recruiting, a roster management job. But again, it's, it's hard because it's your opinion. You know, Jim's opinion at the end of the day, do not really matter about these players in terms of who should be there. It's who the NFL teams want to see. If Jim put his top hundred big board on there, it may be very different. Um, just like every NFL GM has a different top hundred big board, but it's your job to get the players that scouts want to see. And I learned that after two or three years to say, Hey, forget my opinion. Sometimes talk to scouts. Hey, you're the guys we're going Who do you want to bring there? I think, I think Jim's done a great job. And you know, the top of the roster guys, the, the star quarterbacks, the star receivers, you have to that Jim and anybody can really do it's a recruiting job, but for the back end, you've got to balance. Hey, do, do we like this guy enough to invite and what NFL teams want to see him? And it's, it's a really hard job to kind of balance those two things and use communication as well as scouting. And I think, you know, as someone who's done it before and failed and made mistakes and, and then got a chance to do better. I think Jim doing his first year, the well as he did is really, really impressive. And again, the roster is as uh, appreciated by NFL teams as I can ever remember uh, in terms of, you know, no surprising guys, not there. Um, you know, agents are happy with the roster, which is always surprising because agents are always like, why isn't my guy there? Why isn't my guy there? I think the fact that the agent world is like, Jim did a great job. Maybe the most telling because uh, he did it. You know, he did a fantastic job in getting the right player. Yeah, and it, it's 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 gonna be an awesome week. It's it'll be great to see you down there as always, man. Um, want to ask you just one more thing, and then I'll let you get out of here because it's it's a little bit more philosophical, and you can talk about the player if you want to, but. I seem to always circle back around to Riley Ridley from 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 Georgia, just because he's such an interesting case for me. It's been such a tough evaluation for me, just because you know he exhibits some traits that you really really like. Clearly, he's got the pedigree being Calvin Ridley's um, little brother. He looks like a million bucks walking into a room, but his stats at Georgia are just so puny and pathetic. Um, Whenever you're scouting these guys and stuff, I know you guys don't box score scout or anything like that, but how much do you take into account? Because it's like it's going to – in fantasy football and in, in, in dynasty and the different little – you know, all of these little um, microspheres of, of, you know, gamers that we sort of – that listen to this show and that we kind of cater to, right? They play in all these different kinds of leagues where you have you know, developmental squads and taxi squads for your team, and you, you pick rookies only and your rookie-only dynasty drafts and stuff. And Riley Ridley is a huge point of contention among this sort of um, community because you have half of the community that are the kind of college dominator guys, right? Where it's like, we want to see a large market share of this team's offense go through this player because that, I mean, if you go back and study it, that does correlate with NFL success as far as actual, you know, fantasy points. Um, right. and, and then, but then you have on, you have on the other side, you have sort of like, we sort of see ourselves in the middle because, as you know, Galco, we go out and we see all these guys live. We go to the Senior Bowl. We see, we watch them live up there at the Combine. We watch them live at their pro days. We try and get out to the training facilities We and even sometimes to games to see them live because we feel like the eyeball test is really, really, really important. Um, I, I just – do you have any thoughts on, for one, any thoughts on Riley Ridley? And for two, how do you take into account the amount of production that a player was able to contribute for his offense? And what sort of context does that, how does that context sort of make its way into your evaluation? Yeah, I think, I think using Ridley as a, as a case study is maybe better than talking about his evaluation, right? Really impressive athlete, the, the opportunity to get to shine on the perimeter as a downfield guy, um, 
accentuate from his body. He exhibits all the skills in isolation, right? His highlight package as well as probably any receiver in the country to put together his, you know, 25 best plays. But um, a lot of the nuanced stuff, the separation, the taking things seriously on the field, it's all concerning. But I think to your point on production, and, and I'll just talk about off the scouting for a minute, you know, Justice Mosqueda is a director of analytics. I'm not a numbers guy myself, right? I went to school for finance. I went to law school. So I'm more of a, of a theoretical guy and, and a scout, right? That's what I do with the last decade is, is scouting players. But um, I've seen how both valuable analytics can be um, and how, how much they can help us be efficient. And what we are so focused on in analytics is finding these thresholds or correlations or, you know, combination of numbers together to tell us a story, not to say numbers only scouting or box score scouting as you put together, but we use athleticism, historical references, college production, um, athletic timing, measurables, all that kind of stuff to, to help us know where does this guy likely stand and use our film evaluation or who do we watch, who we shouldn't watch. And, you know, there are some numbers where tell us, Hey, if, if a player is under these five production thresholds, their chance of being successful in the NFL are, less than 25%. We have that information at Optum Scouting. It's very proprietary. I can't share that, but that's what we've developed over the last couple of years because we know how valuable that is to teams to industry build and for our own evaluations too. So for a guy like Riley, you know, for example, I don't have his, you know, analytics score in front of me, but we know, hey, he's got to do this and this, this athletically to even be considered as a guy who might get a second contract in the NFL. And, and I, I can look at his production numbers right away and know, yeah, he's not going to pass a lot of our athletic our production thresholds and, and where else can you make that up? So I think from our perspective, using production as well as athletics, as well as historical references are so, so important because if you take the time that we've done over the last two years to really develop those processes, you can actually learn something, right? Just looking at, and what I, what the Genesis came from, Hey, a guy is high production, low production based on his size or ability. What does that mean? And your athletic ability, I'm, I'm sick of looking at a 40, and saying that's fast, but is that even good for that position? Is that what he should have ran um, short shuttle? What is that? How can I conceptualize that? So our analytics department has done a really good job of, of conceptualizing athletic production, historical data to give us a story because our job and my job across the board is to be as objective as possible. When you're objective, you have no biases involved and you can make a good evaluation. And more often than not, as long as you're objective, you'll make a smart decision, whether it's, NFL draft scouting or XFL evaluations.